0: Welcome to this latest episode of Anti-Capitalist Radio. This episode is the podcast version of a recent public meeting that Anti-Capitalist Resistance organised to discuss the Conservative Party meltdown and what it means for socialists. We have Dave Calloway introducing, who is a regular writer for our website at anti Enjoy! Okay, uh,
1: <clears throat> good evening everybody, and uh, uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to talk much about the monarchy because there's just been so much happening. I mean, it's unbelievable the degree of... Uh, of political volatility we've been seeing in the last uh, few months. I'm going to speak um, uh, about six different uh, sections really. Firstly, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, who is Rishi Sunak and will we see a Sunak bounce. Second section, I'm going to talk about the whole issue of legitimacy of the government. The third section, I'm going to look at how far Sunak can maintain Tory Party unity. The fourth part, I'm going to look at the what's going to happen next, possibly the government policies on economic uh, questions, etc. The fifth point is going to be about the strike wave and how that's a, and the a campaigns that are going on at the moment against cost living, how that is a factor in the situation at the moment, and finally, what our demands might be and what the left should be doing. So six different sections. I'll try and get through them all as quickly as possible. Firstly, who is Rishi and will we see a bounce? I mean, I think the first thing to say is that the fact it is the first Indian heritage prime minister does have some significance. I mean, some people on the left have said, oh, it's just nothing at all. doesn't mean anything at all. It it does have an impact, I think. Similar to Obama or Margaret Thatcher, you can't deny there was some significance in terms of both black people and for women. But at the same time, obviously, his rise uh, epitomises the usual pathways to power of the, of the native elites. I mean, you go to top private school, Winchester, you go to Oxford, do PPE, you go to Stanford in the States, you get a top finance job, and then you manage a hedge fund. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty pretty clear. Phil Hurst, in an article just the other day on our website, emphasised how uh, Sunak represents uh, transnational capital more than the uh national populist sort of capital trust and baker i think there's some truth in this there's an article in the guardian today by aaron davis a new zealand uh, professor which shows how uh, he, he above all represents the interest of the city and the finance and it is true i think that our capitalist economy is characterized by an over financialization that the city is very very important compared to places like germany or even france now, obviously, the press, the Tories uh, are doing everything they can to show uh as a new lad, a new boy, that his Indian heritage has been emphasized a lot, his modernity, his youthfulness. He is the youngest, one of the youngest prime ministers for 200 years. His competence, his calmness, how he was right on the budget when trust was wrong. All that's been emphasized at the moment by the very same press that were doing the opposite uh, a few weeks ago. This is the nature of our press amazing switch route. Right? and uh, there could be a reduction i think in the in the in the labor lead. i think there's no doubt it's possible but he isn't really new and there's lots of negatives i mean he, he bundled um the whole covid pandemic just as much as um johnson he was involved in the uh, mates contracts for ppe uh, the spreading events with his eat out to to, to help out he got fined For uh, going against the rules of Covid. And then we've got the other things like the non-dom status of his partner. his the fact he got a, despite proclaiming in his videos that he had a great love for Britain that gave him so much, he had a green card to stay in the States uh, up to very recently. And again, his sort of rich, tough otherness is, is clearly seen in the way he operates. He hasn't got the Johnson touch at all uh, with with ordinary people, um, look at the, the 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 videos of his uh, the garage with pen with the contact card and all that sort of stuff. He, he is as somebody on on Facebook uses the term lot. I don't understand it, but they say long. He's very long. He, you you can't imagine sitting down and having a drink with him. And um, he also boasted about the way he wasn't going to uh, keep giving any money to the red Re- red wall seats in the same way as he, as they were before. And if you look at the, the, the word clouds they put out recently about him, what's interesting, although it's true that people talk about his competency and his efficiency and his economic, uh, if you like, uh, skills, the big, big word that stands out in the middle of that word cloud is rich. And I think there's an awful lot of people who are ordinary people who do identify in that way. And given the cost of living crisis the strikes and everything else, it's not going to be easy for him to overcome that image second section on the question of legitimacy of the government now obviously constitutionally it's quite possible for a party to change its leader and remain legitimate in government there's no doubt about that that's the sort of constitutional uh, if you like rules but in political terms all this chopping and changing the three prime ministers in in less than a year all this sort of stuff does make it less legitimate yeah and particularly when people's mortgages are going sky high and a big minority of people are literally not having to choose whether to heat and eat. And also, the call by all the opposition, all the opposition parties are calling for a general election. And I think that has real resonance among ordinary people. In fact, I'll go on to this later. It's another reason not to take an ultra-left position on the question of the uh, of the election. Some people on the left are saying all oh, this electoralism calling for a general election is playing into the hands of Starmer, it's undermining the struggles. I think this is completely wrong. We need to take advantage, the left needs to take advantage of this crisis of legitimacy. They don't come around very often these crises of legitimacy of a government. We need to take advantage of it. Okay, third section. Can Sunak maintain party unity? Now, I think what you've got to recognize is although he did win fairly comfortably, he was helped a lot by the uh, 92 committee, they didn't want Johnson back, I don't think. It does disguise the thinness of his base and a network. Unlike Johnson or even Truss, he's only been an MP for seven years. He's not built up a huge following in the Tory party. And the pro-Johnson rump still hold him responsible for stabbing their man in the back, okay? And it's interesting that Johnson talked about the time not being right. He's still gonna hobble around the edges looking for a De Gaullean type comeback. And as Mark, Matt Frey, I think, said on Channel 4 News, I think he was right about, is it a cabinet of all the fact, all the talents and all the factions? I think the factions is the right affair. Even at the very beginning, the whole affair around Braverman shows, on the one hand, how happy Sunak is to work with the extreme right wing of the party, but also I think it shows his political inexperience and ineptness because he called Braverman, apparently, according to the sources, six times to deal with it. For, his, for her support. But the fact now that clearly she lied to him about the whole affair, about how much of these documents she was passing to this extreme right guy, Hayes, and the common sense people, um, he could quite easily turn around and say, well, you lied to me, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna be in my cabinet. He could have done that if he wanted to. So he is a certain hostage to all these factions, okay? I think um, it's, it's quite clear that. And um, there's an interesting article by Gork in the New Statesman, which looks at this fact that cynical though he 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 feels he can be uh, free to carry out a completely different economic program to trust. He has made a deal. It looks like with the right wing of the party. And in fact, this isn't going to die down because both the opposition and the uh, scorned trustite Jake Berry has been stirring the pot and giving more information about. Uh, this whole affair. Apparently Simon Case, the uh, the, the, the civil servant, uh, knew about it before she told anybody. Okay, at the same time, the appointment of uh, Badenoch to a key equalities post, a person who has uh, played hard against the so-called woke people, who's uh, refused to recognise trans uh, women and the rest of it, and uh, voted against, abstained on the uh, gay marriage issue in Northern Ireland, it shows you that this is a cabinet which includes the right wing still, and it's not clear how far Sunak will stand up to these people. And if you look at other factions in the, in the, in the cabinet, we have the Baker Spartans who are particularly keen that SYNAC uh, does not concede anything to the EU. And it's not clear that SYNAC particularly wants to uh, go along with everything the, the Unionists want in the north of Ireland. Already, Sunak has confronted Rees on this question of the EU laws being uh, uh, dropped in an accelerated way. So, although he's a Brexiteer, he's not the same Brexiteer as the Baker people. And then, their One Nation Tories are concerned about things like. Uh, uh, some of the welfare issues and uh, the one and, the, and everything else. And of course, there's another spat possibly with Wallace over this three percent for defence, which is a huge amount of money going to defence. Of course, all these divisions in the Tory party goes back to Brexit. and the fact that the Tory party has been virtually transformed, uh, as a result of the, 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 like the ukipenisation of the party, the Farage withdrawing in 2019 and his people going into the Tory party, it, it, it all goes back to Brexit. And this idea that people on the left some think that Brexit is not an issue, it's not had big consequences, they're completely wrong. OK, let's look at what next, the government policies. Now, the problem we've got today, of course, is it's not clear exactly what will happen now about the economic policies, because that's being postponed to the 17th of November. But as we've seen already, they will use this so-called black hole and markets issue to justify its savage spending cuts. And we need, and we, we try to do this on our site. We need to expose these ideas of black holes and uh, and markets as ideological constructs. They're not some god-given uh, processes. Okay, I think Yannis Farovakus uh, in the New Statement, New Statesman, has got a quite a good article explaining that just out today. Now, of course. He may be lucky as well because there may be some more leeway because the borrowing costs seem to be coming down. The gas prices seem to be calming a little bit as well. So there might be more leeway for Sunak on all this. I think he will try to sugar the pill of the overall cuts by some targeted initiatives possibly to protect certain sectors, perhaps the pensioners, perhaps the poorest people on benefits. who knows. But there will be a differential attack on working people. But without doubt, working people will pay the price. Uh, he might even look at windfall taxes again. It's not completely excluded. He could do this. Look at the shell profits in, the, in that last quarter. Incredible, doubled to about eight billion in one quarter. But it's hard to see how they can square the circle of, of, you know, like protecting people and not attacking people's living standards, and at the same time keeping sav money and keeping the basic parameters of their of the policy. And the, the big difference this time, I think, is that unlike under Osborne and Cameron, this austerity offensive will take place within, a, at the same time, as a huge strike wave happening. And it's mainly based in the public sector, so there's a direct link between spending cuts and paying people correct wages. Fifth section, fifth point, and this is this is something I think I'd like to have more discussion about because it's not clear exactly how we look at this, but how this, the, the strike wave and all the campaigning against the cost of living issue, is a political factor in the situation. It is a political factor. It's already, the strike's are already on a different scale to any sort of sexual strikes we've seen over the recent years. And it's much more than just narrow wage struggles. You've got Enough is Enough being launched by the unions, which is a political campaign. We can discuss how effective it is, but it's a political campaign. You've also got initiatives like the People's Assemblies, Demo on November the fifth, which could be a political focus, and we should support it. Uh, and this meltdown of the Tories, this, this and the cause of general election make the strikes more political than they would be normally. Now it's interesting. I don't know whether what's going to happen. Will Sunak go for a full-on confrontation using new anti-union laws, etc., to take on the unions? Thinking that he might be able to do a Thatcher, take on the unions, and win a victory, and the polls will come good. I think this is, is not so likely precisely because there's so much support being registered. Even the vox pops on the telly, you see people, that they ask about the strikes. They tend to support the strikers. And the opinion polls also tend to say that. It's because of the, the, the incredible, the worst cost of living crisis for 50 years. That's why there's more support for the strikes than you might have expected. And at the same time, people are drawing their conclusions if they can't sort this out, if they can't deal with these strikes, let's have another government that can sort it out, you know? Um, And strikers also will see it in that way, I think, more and more, okay? Uh, Now, the big question is how strong the movement is, will they be able to come together and make a big impact with what we call generalised strikes on the same day and the rest of it? That's that's something we need to look at. I mean, Simon Hannah... um, on the interview you did with the comrades in France on the YouTube. You can see it on YouTube, it's English, um, mentioned some of the some of the strengths, but also some of the difficulties of the strike.
0: Oh no, Dave. <clears throat> I think we've uh I think there's an internet connection problem. If only Jeremy Corbyn had won and we had the um, super-fast broadband across the country. Uh, I'll give Dave a couple of minutes because this has happened before, actually, and he just has to read. Sorry, Dave, you uh, you cut out for maybe two minutes there. You were just about to say how brilliant my video was. Um, I'll go back to that
1: bit. Sorry about that. Yeah,
0: and then you froze.
1: Okay. Okay, sorry. I was just... uh, Simon had this interview with the French comrades on YouTube. It's in English. You can see it on our, on our website, I think. And he did mention a couple of difficulties of the strikes, the strengths as well, of course. But one of the difficulties is the strikes tend to be quite top-down managed. yeah. And there's not necessarily as nuts rank-and-file organisations as there ought to be, or there could be. That could change. We don't know. I'd be interested to know what people think about those issues, about the, the, how, how far the impact of the strikes will be. I think that is a crucial element in the situation. Okay, final section, nearly finished. What should our demands be today and what should the left be doing? I I think it's important to to not be ridiculous about demands and say, oh, we want to overthrow capitalism or we do this and that uh, tomorrow. You've got to relate to where we are today. I always think you've got to be one step ahead and not two or three steps. You shouldn't be behind either. First thing, of course, is... On the left today, we all should be in solidarity and supporting all the strikes, getting on the picket lines and demanding inflation proof increases. This is clearly not what the Labour Party is doing. Starmer is not calling for inflation uh, wage increase and certainly is not encouraging people to go on the picket lines. Okay. Secondly, no cuts, tax the rich, you tax the rich, and tax the super profits, the energy companies, and other, other ones that have done very well in the last few years. Then a very important demand, which you shouldn't underestimate, is defend the democratic rights to protest. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's incredible these young and older people getting arrested in these eco-protests. It's bigger than you think. It's like hundreds and hundreds of people willing to get arrested. We can discuss the tactics, and how they are, but there's no doubt this is a movement that is quite strong, yeah? To find so many people willing to get arrested means we're not just talking about a, a sort of marginal group. And we need to defend these eco-activists. It was really great to see uh, Alan and uh, one of our comrades and other people, he's quite an older comrade, in the the protest that was very successful in the House of Parliament yesterday or the day before and um, got good publicity because it interrupted a Sky News interview. Obviously, another demand is we're for a general election now and we're for the Tories being booted out. Okay? That doesn't, you know, I mean... We're also in favor of the general strikes bringing down the Tories, (laughs) if that happens, fair and good. And the next, the final thing, we want to integrate the whole ecological struggle into our demands, and and we we support the fossil free transition by 2030, and we support these eco-protests. Now, going forward, we have no illusions that Starmer is gonna lead some radical government. Yeah, At the moment, he's more interested in the prawn cocktail uh, offensive with businesses, Win businesses more than any solidarity. I mean, it's, they are gaining in this respect as well because Tesco chairman came out the other day saying he was quite happy with the Labour government. And I'm convinced that um, it's quite possible that yeah, whole sectors of businesses and the ruling class will come out and support the Labour government unless there's some incredible turnaround that Sunet brings about, which I think is not very likely. You know. In this situation, there is an opening for the radical left, the left inside and outside Labour Party, yeah, uh, because uh, we are building support for strikes campaigns, we clearly have a different position to Starmer, and I think, in, in a sense, what we're seeing is, to some degree, a sort of Corbynism outside Labour Party, lots of young people and other people, new to politics, getting involved, supporting these strikes, going along to the Enough is Enough meetings, supportive demonstrations coming up and everything else. But... Having said all that, we do reject this ultra left view that there's no difference between a Labour government and a Tory government, or that we should, or that we're, a call for a general election is uh, undermining struggles or playing into the hands of Storm. We completely reject that approach. We have to work in a non sectarian way. Yeah, that means we do support initiatives that may be controlled or led by other people like Counter We support those, those, uh, that demonstration on the 5th of November. It's sectarian not to support it. We also support Enough is Enough. We support any initiatives that will take the struggle forward. But we also talk about how we can reunite the radical left together more clearly, uh, you know, towards some sort of regroupment. Obviously, going forward, we also need a more detailed action programme, which which, if, if Labour get in, which is likely, we will be faced with how do we relate to a less than radical programme? How do we relate to that moderate programme? I think it's very important to start from those... Progressive measures that Labour will bring in, or at least, and shape them in a new way. So we look at the green transition, we look at the new public energy company, but we make it more radical. We shape it in a way that challenges capital. Yeah. Finally, um, yeah. Having said all that, all those demands will have the most traction if the uh, strike movement and campaigns strength and develop and extend themselves. so obviously that's that's a crucial element and all that our our effectiveness in challenging Starmer's moderate labor government will depend on how radical the strike wave is in some degree and that, and that campaign that's going on that's all I want to say okay
0: thanks dave very good um, and pretty much the time as well excellent um so yes, there's obviously lots, <coughs> sorry, there's lots to talk about there. Um, I guess one of the main questions we have to think is, uh, as as Dave asked, uh, has Sunak managed to steady the ship? Um, if so, for how long? Um, and I know there has been a big debate on the left about whether calling, a, well, not just calling, but actually actively getting on the streets and fighting for a general strike, a uh, general strike, a general election, general strike would be great, but even just fighting for a general election, um, whether uh, that's something that lots of other people will support at the moment, so um, lots to, lots to think about. Um, I've seen a couple of hands go up. So uh, Andrew, first, uh, let me uh, let me sorry, let me just do the unmuting. Uh, yeah, my oh, my first
1: to... um, reason for coming is because I think there is very for um, thinking about recomposing the left. In particular, in relation to our stance on international issues, this came up a little bit last night at the meeting on Ukraine. It's clear now there's a different a difference on the left between those forces uh, who tend to fall into campus positions and the rest. And I think it, we, there's no way around that difference at the moment. Okay, um, uh, I think it's uh, it, it's interesting discussion about how far you concentrate on the wealth of uh, of uh, Sunak. Uh, as an individual or the way in which it's the Tory party as a whole. I think there's arguments on both sides. It's a question of you obviously don't go overboard on just talking about the wealth. But I think it is important. We're talking about the mass revolt here. And the masses don't always see things in very highly political ways. And they they respond in, in a gut way sometimes. And sometimes it is a sort of class bitterness against people being filthy rich. I think you can't ignore that. It's a good point Rola really made about the scorched earth policy. that, that is a poss- I haven't thought about it. that. It's a possibility. Although, again, it, it, given the, the strike wave, it's difficult to step it and at least sit around and, and let that happen. Okay, Bob made a good point about our oh, terminology. It's difficult. I used the term working people, working class. Obviously, I assume within that, and that perhaps is a wrong assumption, that includes people who are not actually... Uh, working, at least working in, a, in an actual job somewhere, but maybe just working at home or or who or, or can't work or on benefits and rest. And we, we should absolutely be clear on that: that when we talk about the working class, talk about the working class including everybody on benefits, people who uh, And I think this issue about independent living and the care system is absolutely fundamental. Um, I made the point in my article that we've got a situation at the moment where there are ambulances queuing up outside hospitals to get people into hospital, can't get them in, and at the other end, people can't go out because there's no social care for them. So the whole system is falling apart. You know, So it's, it's a really important question, uh, I think. Um, the question of the Labour Party is quite important, and uh, thanks for Sandra for bringing it up. I don't think there's any issue between us on the question of we need a different sort of party. The ACI is very clear, we need a different sort of party. The whole question is, How do you get there and who's going to be involved? And I think you cannot ignore the tens of thousands of socialists. They're still in the Labour Party. There's still tens of thousands of socialists in the Labour Party. You can't ignore those people. It's true a lot of left. It's true Starmer's gone to the right. But you've still got to have an eye and relate to those people. I know from my own experience in Hackney, there's still a lot of people who spend a lot of time uh, going on the picket lines, doing lots of work with the strikes and everything else and other campaigns, campaigns around social care, for example. A lot of Labour Party people are actually involved in that in a very radical way. So yes, it's not a principle. We're not saying that wherever you are, you've got to work in Labour Party. That's obviously stupid. Because in some areas, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You can be more effective working outside the Labour Party, or perhaps just holding the Labour Party card, like many people do, go to certain meetings, but not over-prioritise the Labour Party stuff against actual work outside. So I don't think it's an issue really. We do need a different sort of party. There is a risk, though. There is a risk. There's no point, I think, in doing what what's their name is it, um, Chris Williamson and Skag and all these people who are banding around new parties. And to be quite frank, I wouldn't want to be in a party with these people, some of these people. You just, you know, you can't just talk about any sort of initiative being positive in this respect. There are people who deluded in a sense about what could be done at the moment in terms of forming a new party and on what basis that we've had lots of experiences with different initiatives to left the labor party respect social alternative all the other experiences and we've learned from them i'm not saying that they can't be positive in certain contexts, but we really want to get a situation where there's a significant split inside labor with mps or trade unions in order to form a proper left mass party i personally think it's very very important to campaign for PR, because I think if you, if you pass PR, there'd be a whole different basis for developing a party to left of Labour. You wouldn't need such a big split from Labour to develop a left force. I think that's experienced in other countries. So yes, um, it, it, we do want a different sort of party, but it's how you get there really, where we maybe have some differences. I, I think historically, Labour governments have always had some poli- even Blair, even Blair, some policies you support. You can't ignore. that's a fact. I mean, there is some difference. And therefore, you you, you can't assume that Starm will come and have a completely reactionary programme from day one. I think that's being, being a bit sort of short-sighted. I learned stuff. It was a, a useful discussion. Some good points made. And the crucial debates in fact are being made here. Just to go over a few points quickly. um, When Terry said about the mortgage issue, I agree. I think we have to be careful about including renters, but it is a fact that 65% of people are homeowners in England. So that means if you take away maybe 20% or so for middle-class homeowners, there is a huge number of working class people with mortgages. So, you know, it, it is an issue. It's no longer the case that most working people live in uh, council houses now. So we've got to take that into account. Now, um, it was interesting what Alan said about the Labour Party governments. I don't think it's true to say that it's a big trick of the ruling class that Labour governments are always, that can be worse than, than Tory governments. I don't think that's true because of the arguments we made already about the relationship between the unions and Labour governments. And, and also the fact that I think in order to get elected and to win elections through their membership there has to be some marginal reforms that are made. If you look even at the Blair government, there were some reforms that we would support. I mean, OK, you had the Iraq war, you had everything else. But there were some, like the building schools for the future, there were the Sure Start centres, there were some tax credit reforms that helped poorer people. These are all things we defend. We don't think they go far enough. But they are different to the Tory government. There is an, I, I, I think there is an argument about uh, lesser evilism you have to stay into account. You can't just ignore that. Um, and it's the case with Starmer. I don't agree, I don't think Starmer will, will necessarily, we don't know, still two years to go. But if you go on what they're arguing for now about the Green Deal for uh, 2030, the new public company and everything else, um, and there are other issues as well you can, you can look at, they are better than Tory policies. They're, they're marginally better, that's all I'm saying. We're talking about marginal gains. And as people said, you can struggle and put pressure more effective with the Labour government than with a Tory government, in my opinion. And that's a fact. On the question of, of, of PR um, that was raised by them, I don't think it's true to say that the balance sheet elsewhere where PR is, is it always leads to right wing parties getting uh, big votes or coming part of government. Yes, it's true in Italy now, there's the, the you know, neo fascist or the post-fascist in, in government, but also in the past in Italy, there's been a potential for parties like Reforma Comunista, which is that we're left of Labour Party, to get 10% and get a big parliamentary uh, representation. In Portugal, the bloque had, uh, has 8%, 10%, and it can have a role in national politics, which we can't have here because of PR. The same in Spain, with Podemos. Yeah, so it's not true that PR is irrelevant. It does make a difference. You have PR where there's a split, obviously. It doesn't result, politically, you start have to have a split. You start have to have a development of a left radical force. Yeah. But, but if you have that development and you have PR, you can do something about it and make a difference. So it is important. Pete's right to talk about the, uh, the, the, the fact that um, uh, the, the councils should campaign. And it's not just a question of saying either you set deficit budgets or do nothing. Now, there is the middle way of campaigning. And uh and I agree with this, not a lot of differences, but there are I still think there are differences between Labour because I think that's how the system works. In order to get mobilised people in the Labour Party to win votes, you have to have something to put forward that's slightly different to the, the 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 Tories. Okay. Um on, on what Jamie was saying about the the I think it's a good point you made about the, 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 the interaction between the the contribution cap- contradiction of capital and the Tory point. Absolutely agree with him. And I, I guess some of my discussion on factions in but is a bit journalistic in a sense but i think given the recent volatility it does make a difference in what happens whether trusting government or somebody else at the same time there's this stuff going on behind all those things that we must analyze and understand phil did this a bit in his article the other day i don't agree with uh, jamie about the uh, as other people already said about the people's assembly and and enough, isn't People's Assembly have individual membership. My guess is they don't have more than a few thousand. They're not a mass organization of tens of thousands. It's counter Counterfire essentially, supported more or less by the Morning Star as well, but they don't have tens and tens of thousands of individual members. Okay. And with it's just a great, I'm a member of the, uh, the Enough is Enough. You just click on a, on a button. There's no actually organized, it's not like a membership party in the same way, although it's positive, all that. But I don't think you can really talk about this is quasi-socialist party. I think that's over-egging the pudding. So I think that's more or less what everybody's been saying. I've covered everything, I think. So thank you again. I think it's been really interesting. We need to to continue this discussion. Please, if you want to contribute to uh, the ACR uh, website, either in comments or articles, send in articles on struggles in your area. That's about short articles. No problem. We've got people who can edit your articles. Don't worry if it looks a bit messy. Send them in. We'd be more than happy to publish stuff from anybody on this this call. So thank you again for the discussion. I found it very interesting. I think we all learned something. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed that podcast, then please check out anticapitalistresistance.org. We have an event in London and also online on the 3rd to 4th of December 2022, with speakers on a range of topics from organising workers, eco-socialism, Marxism at the movies, the fight for women's bodily autonomy, and trans rights, and many other topics. If you're interested, then check out anticaposresistance.org slash events, and you'll see all the details there. Solidarity, see you on the barricades.